freedom, man. That's what it's all about. Welcome. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. This show will discuss the topics of human consciousness, mind control, natural law, the occult, and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of Earth. What on Earth is Happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, of course, is oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, October 28th, 2012. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central, and we have a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to be doing an all-call-in show again this week. Your calls. The callers will make the show and set the topics for today. Last week, we continued to talk about solutions, and we went over two solutions in one show. The power of true positive thinking, not what many in the New Age movement term positive thinking, but what true positive thinking can really do for one's outlook and attitude, and the responsibility to teach others once you know the dynamic that is really taking place in our world and have a handle on that dynamic. You have a responsibility to bring that information to others whether they want to hear it or not. We talked about ways to go about doing that and we also talked about the power of words and how we could do a disservice to others by baby spoon feeding them information instead of helping to explain to them exactly how they're creating their own reality so that they can become in themselves responsible adults when it comes to the kind of energy that they're putting out there into the universe that is ultimately shaping the experience that we're all having. So let me give the call-in number right here at the top of the show. People can call in and get in the queue. And it's anything you want to talk about regarding any solutions that we have touched on. Uh, I want to try to keep the show show solution-oriented. I want to hear from you regarding how you think the dynamic is is going. Where do you think we're headed? Um, What do you think about teaching others, Uh, the, the section that I did on teaching others? Are you engaged in that process? And if you are engaged in it, how is that going for you? What kind of techniques are you employing? If you're not engaged in doing that work, why not? 
that's what I really want to talk about here today, and I want to hear people's uh, overall outlook on the nature of things as they stand right now. In other words, where we're at as a species, where people think we're heading, and what we can do possibly to turn things around. So the calling number for the show is 866-841-1065. Once again, the calling number 866-841-1065. That's a toll-free number. Call in and get in the queue, and we'll be taking calls throughout the show. I do have a couple of quick event announcements, not too many today. Of course, the Free Your Mind conference, the Free Your Mind 2 conference coming up here in the city of Philadelphia in late April of next year. Free Your Mind 2 is a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult taking place here in Philadelphia April 25th, 26th, and 27th, 2013. Free Your Mind returns to Philadelphia with a three-day conference featuring top-caliber whistleblowers from across the country who will shed light upon our world's problems and bring forward empowering solutions. This unique event will build upon the success of the first Free Your Mind conference in 2011 with a continued focus to spread awareness on the topics of consciousness, mind control, subversive occult influences, holistic body-mind-spirit health, and solution-oriented approaches to the problems humanity faces in these challenging times. The location for the Free Your Mind 2 conference is the beautiful Arch Street Meeting House here in Philadelphia at 320 Arch Street. The doors will open each day of this three-day conference at 8 o'clock a.m., the featured speakers, we have 22 featured speakers so far, probably going to add two more to complete the lineup at about 24 speakers. The featured speakers right now, as it stands, include Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Kathy O'Brien, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Loren Moray, myself, Mark Passio, Mark Phillips, Randall Carlson, Ross Ben, and Sonia Barrett. Advanced ticket prices for the Thursday conference, $30. For the Thursday meet and greet, Speaker meet and greet on Thursday evening featuring, um, including um, vegetarian cuisine, $20. For the Friday and Saturday conference, Friday conference $40 and Saturday conference $40. And if you want the whole package, all three days, all three days of the conference plus the speaker meet and greet with a meal on Thursday night, $120. For more speaker information, for speaker bios, and more ticketing information and information on how to order tickets, please visit the Free Your Mind Conference website, the Free Your Mind 2 website at freeyourmindconference.com. That's www.freeyourmindconference.com. I've been telling people over the last couple of weeks, an advanced 
ticket sale is better than even making a donation to this conference. We are going to be able to pay for all of the speakers' travel expenses and lodging expenses, which need to be done well in advance, up front, okay, if you order your tickets in advance. Now, we're going to have a schedule probably drawn up within the next few weeks. But if you plan on being in Philadelphia for the Free Your Mind Conference, especially if you're just coming out for all of the days of the conference, consider getting the total package for the reduced price of $120 in advance, and that will really help us to um, bring the speakers in and not have to shell out so much money out of pocket. So again, an advanced ticket sale, better than a donation. And also, if people are, live in the Philadelphia area and are interested in helping out with the organization of this conference, we still need help. Please get in touch with me at mark at freeyourmindconference.com. I know a couple of people uh, did respond, and I will be getting back to you this week if you responded to that with some details on how, to, how you can help us out in the organization for this event. Okay, last week I neglected to mention an announcement that I wanted to talk about. And that is the What on Earth is Happening website. Uh, the videos, all the videos for the website are now in HTML5 format. That means that they do not require a browser plugin to play in the web browser and that they will also uh, be able to be played in any handheld devices that anyone may be using to access the site. So video on the What on Earth is Happening website is now all HTML5 compliant. Um, very closely connected with that announcement is that I have set up a YouTube channel for what on earth is happening. That's a long time coming. I should have probably done that a long time ago, but there is now a YouTube channel for what on earth is happening. And you could visit the YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash what on earth 93. So I'll say that again. The YouTube channel for what on earth is happening is now online at youtube.com slash whatonearth93. What on earth, all one word, and then the number 93. Um, all of the What on Earth is Happening videos are there. I also have some videos up from my uh, speeches at the end of Fed Rally. I have um, other lectures that I've given, including the uh, Wizard of Oz presentation that I gave a couple of years back. And coming to the both the YouTube channel and the What on Earth is Happening website, I will be posting the entire Matrix uh, series, the, the, the um, lecture that I did on the Matrix Trilogy called The Matrix Trilogy Decoded, and I will also be posting the recent lecture that I gave, uh, the presentation that I gave at the MUFON PA East Coast Conference, which was entitled Morality and Disclosure. So that's coming to both the What on Earth is Happening video section uh, the What on Earth is Happening website videos section, and also the What on Earth is Happening YouTube channel. The ad-free, last event announcement is uh, the ad-free chip-in for the What on Earth is Happening radio show uh, needs to raise $1,000 by January 31st in order to keep the show ad-free through the February, March, and April time period. The fund for the ad-free chip-in currently stands at $200, and we haven't uh, yet entered 
uh, the month of November. So we're just at the end of October, and we have $200 in the fund so far. So good work on people making uh, kind and generous donations to the ad-free chip-in. Please, let's keep that going so we can keep the show uh, ad-free for both hours. Okay, so today is an all-call-in show, and the topic is solutions. I'm not limiting the topic to any particular solution, although I would like to hear people's take on the show that I did last week on the power of true positive thinking as opposed to what the New Age movement talks about in regards to positive thinking and also the responsibility that we each have uh, once we know to then speak the truth into the universe and to teach others what we have come to understand. So, the call-in number, once again, 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number for the show, 866-841-1065. We already have a couple of callers, so let's go right to the phones. Here we go. Area, co area code 602, you're live on What on Earth is Happening? Yes, there's a lot of noise coming on your line. I don't know if you could do anything to clean that up. Okay. Almost completely unintelligible. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, let you go. And if you could call in on a different line, I'll bump you right back to the top of the queue. But unfortunately, there's so much static in your line that uh, it's impossible for us to take that call because we really can't hear what you're saying as it was coming through on the air. So please call back, and I'll I'll definitely bump you up to the top of the line if you call back in. Okay, let's go to another caller. Caller, you're live on what on earth is happening. What do you have for us? Hello? Yes. Yeah, um, to the context of uh, positive thinking. Uh, well, I, I guess one thing, I'm, uh, one thing I'm doing right now is I got this, uh, this speech I'm, I'm trying to write for, because uh, I got this speech class. I, cause I, I remember you saying something about, you know, the, the world needs more teachers and stuff, but I, I think my problem personally is is that I'm not really uh, sure, you know, the right way to uh, scientifically kind of go about disseminating. Because I know, you know, with the right, with the right tools. So that's why I'm t taking these all these speech classes, all these writing classes right now, and I'm I'm giving my speech actually on a on a vaccine controversy. Yes. And uh, I know, so I know the you know government's trying to mandate mandate children take that. So yes, just kind of uh, getting that out there, and then for uh, an argumentative paper, which I'm trying to get into my college, trying to kind of like spread it around through the uh, well, the faculty there is uh, something with the I want to focus it something on the with the the cult of of, uh, of domination, kind of uh, the, the whole authority domination type thing. Right. So well, re regarding uh, your confidence level, I think. You know, that's something that you have to work on. And just if you know that you're standing in truth, just continue to put the information out there. And even if it isn't the, um, you know, greatest rhetorical argument that is going to 100% convince, you know, the most left-brained of people out there, you know that you're doing the right thing by putting the information out there as a seed for people to take. And even if a few people look into it, you know, it's helping them, so it's making a difference, and it's helping people that it wouldn't that that information may not ordinarily have reached. 
So that's really what we need to stay focused on. We're reaching those who right now can be reached, and who knows who you're going to wake up as a result of that process. Who knows who's going to look into this information and really wake up fully all the way and possibly even become a, a teacher in their own right. So, you know, I would say the main thing when it comes to this is if you know that you're on to something, you know that you're on to something that is good for people and will help to alleviate suffering, don't second guess yourself. Uh, try to develop that confidence that you know that you're standing in the right, you know you're doing the right thing, and then just do it. So what you're doing, I think, is great. And, you know, put, put that information out there for people. And those who are ready to take it will take it. And they'll, they'll, they'll run with that ball and they'll do something good with the information that you're giving to them. I had, I had one more thing. Sure. Um, what, what do you think about, uh, like, like uh, different types of renewable energy? Like, say we didn't have this, you know, like everybody was fighting over Africa kind of thing. Right. Um, say that Africa actually had, but the, the Sahara, they had this access to like solar power and geothermal power, the wind power, and we mm -hmm. actually applied, you know, instead of our, our creative technology all going towards war. Right. You know, if our creative technology was towards like, you know, Tesla's kind of work, I mean, sure. just, I mean, Africa is a, it's completely rich as far as potential wise. Well, it's I amazing that it's uh, so interfered with. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about this a lot on the show, and people know that I'm, you know, a member of the Tesla Science Foundation here in Philadelphia, and uh, are am really trying to put out the word regarding the fact that these uh, renewable, clean energy, free energy technologies have been with us for over a century and are actively suppressed throughout the world because they want to keep people in the paradigm of manufactured lack. When you're in lack, because everyone needs energy to live, when you're in the perception that there is lack everywhere and there's only limited amounts to go around, that puts you into the our complex fight or flight fear response mode of the brain. And from that, um, that modality of consciousness, that's how you can easily be controlled. Those who are controlling energy on the planet, controlling those resources, are ultimately controlling people. The control of energy is the control of people. I've said that hundreds of times and will continue to say it hundreds more because it's true. Those who are in control of the current energy paradigm are ultimately controlling the people of the planet. So all of these new free energy technologies, we need to break that open out into discussion in the world as much as possible so that people know not only is this a potential, not only is it possible, it is already developed and has been waiting in the wings, so to speak, for over 100 years since the days of Nikola Tesla and even arguably a little bit before Tesla. These technologies are real and they are in existence and they are actively being suppressed. You know, I mean, hundred, there's hundreds of stories about the suppression of free energy, Tesla-type technology, cold fusion, uh, other types of generators that are basically over-unity devices. And again, these big oil cartels, they want to maintain their domination because they're living high off the hog from all of the people consuming the types of completely obsoleted uh, fuels that they're put, putting out there to them in dribs and drabs, and they think that they can continue that indefinitely. And it's possible that they can if people refuse to wake up to it, because I do not believe that oil is a 
non-renewable resource. I think it is something that the earth perpetually generates. It's like blood in the human body. When you take a pint of blood out of us, the body eventually manufactures more blood. It's not like you take a pint out and the body stays at that depleted level forever. It's the same with oil. It's like the blood of the earth and it keeps regenerating it as our hemoglobin regenerates our blood in the body. So they could keep this scheme going indefinitely if, they, if people don't wake up to it and realize that they're being had. So that's my take on all renewable energy. I think I've made that very clear throughout the entire series of, of shows that I've done. And that's why I stand so strongly behind the work of people that are trying to bring uh, the science and the technologies of someone like Nikola Tesla out into the open, like what the Tesla Science Foundation here in Philadelphia has been doing over the last several years. Um, also, uh, the, the, the types of uh, technologies that we're talking about, not only are they being suppressed for the general public for energy usages and energy requirements, but they have been weaponized. They have been turned toward their worst possible purpose of you know mass murder and, and genocide even, and they're being ramped up and scaled up to the most unimaginably horrific weapons of mass destruction that one can even imagine. And I would endeavor to say they're even being deployed at a lower level scale on targeted individuals to harass and uh, silence people who are, who are whistleblowers and want to come out and talk about the, the fact that you know we live in a completely totalitarian controlled system and a controlled paradigm. So these technologies not only are being actively suppressed for the right reasons, they have been weaponized and developed for all the wrong immoral reasons and applications of war as well. But it's something people really need to come forward and talk about out in the open more and more and help people to understand. You're, you're driving in a car that's burning this you know, so-called fossil fuel that needs to be taken out of the earth and refined. And that hasn't been necessary for over 100 years. People think we, you know, that one of the big arguments for statism is who will maintain the roads? And I keep t asking people, why do you imagine that we need roads with the level of technology that we already possess today, now? Not in 20 years or 50 years or 100 years, now, today, that is actively being suppressed. We don't need roads today. We can rip up all the roads. We have technology that is anti-gravitic in nature that, um, that could be used in a totally free energy system that wouldn't need to be plugged into any electrical grid. And this, the prototypes for this were developed over 100 years ago when Tesla lived. And... You know, we don't even need these ancient dinosaur technologies and ways of thinking in two dimensions, flat to the ground, that we're thinking about these things now. People, again, it's all about limiting what people believe is possible. Not only what they believe is possible, but what they're willing to accept that already does exist. Things not only are possible, they're already in existence and people, you know, are, their mind is so shut down they can't accept that. So that's my take on the whole, uh, you know, suppressed energy paradigm. And I've, again, I've talked about it on past shows a ton and done shows with individuals from the Tesla Science Foundation who are involved in bringing this type of work forward. So definitely check some of that material out in the podcast archives. All right. So I have, uh, I have quite a bit. Great. Um, 
No, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And I don't know. I, I can uh, I can imagine it being pretty bad. Uh, I'm actually looking to get in, into my college. I'm looking to get into the uh, renewable energy and architecture and stuff, so I can uh, work on that. Like you know, getting the idea of you know, if we didn't. There's no there's no need for this whole uh, scarcity based, I guess. Yes. Economy. You know, because uh, the the internet gives you uh, is is pretty much like free education. Absolutely, it's amazing now with the internet. Is it, it's if you want to know the state of the world, uh, you, you you can find it on there. You can look at the worst things you could possibly find, you know, and then that's the state of the of the of the really really bad, the shadow part that nobody sees. If you want that's to break right. it down, like how uh, how young might break it down. That's exactly the collective right. shadow. You can find it. Out. It's you know, it's terrible. It's out there. It's that that's that satanic stuff. But then, uh, you know, but then there's also, there's also so many ways to connect with other people, ways to learn, you know, ways to innovate, ways right. to uh, watchdog, you know, you know, watchdog our leaders and watchdog what's going on in other countries and stuff. So it's, it's really, that's where, that's where the, the you know, the, the modern myth of man, I think, is being created right now. It's that, just over that, that medium. I mean, that's really great points that you brought up there. And, uh, you know, I want to comment on that. Uh, what the li- the listener uh, just the caller just talked about regarding the internet, the power of the internet to help us to understand the truth. That's why this has to be protected at all costs. You know, we have the opportunity to learn about what's going on all around us and learn anything that we want to, uh, that, that we have a desire or a thirst for knowledge to learn, and it's at our fingertips. And this has never been available to humanity in this way before this modern time period. And uh, it's a precious resource that we shouldn't squander. You know, I was talking to a family member the other day, and and, uh, this individual was saying, well, how do you know all the things that you know? And I said, well, hey, you have one of these truth devices right in your hand, just like I do, just like we all have access to. You have a computer, you have a cell phone, you have a tablet. Whatever you're using, tap into the internet. You can learn about anything you want to know about. You could download books from throughout the ages and read deep wisdom and philosophy. You could, you know, read about anything technical and learn how to do things. You know, there's no limit to what you can learn now. Are we going to use these devices and the access to this incredible resource of knowledge known as the internet? Um, for frivolous things? Are we going to use it to play games? You know, are we going to use it to entertain ourselves? Or are we going to use it for our edification and our growth? You know, and then helping to put more knowledge out there for others, to share freely with others so that they can also edify themselves and become better people. You know, it's a choice. And that choice is available to us and we have to choose wisely. So great points, caller. Um, you know, uh, and best of luck with your, you know, um, foray into true education. Hopefully, when it comes to learning about these energy technologies, and then get involved. And I highly recommend going to a uh, resource like the Tesla Science Foundation and getting involved in their work or any other Tesla groups for that matter, because uh, that's at the forefront of this emerging field of science. And I think. You know, breakthroughs are going to happen in these fields over the next several years that are going to make, you know, the existing paradigm that we are are locked into seem almost, you know, completely crazy and unimaginable from where we will be. And if we do it right, if we do it for the right reasons, 
for the betterment of humanity instead of weaponizing uh, you know, technologies to kill people more efficiently, like the military-industrial complex wants us to do, then you know, if we do it for the right reasons, then we're going to see a transformation in human consciousness that is going to be you know, partially driven by these emerging technologies and new energy technologies. So uh, best of luck to you in that, in that regard. So uh, let's go to another caller. Here we go. All right. Caller on Skype. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Mark. Hey. Who am I speaking with? Can you hear me fine? Yes. What's your uh, name? This is Will from New Hampshire. Will, how are you? I'm doing just great. I'm really Uh, Will, Will you're, you're, you're fading a little bit. Can you co come in a little bit closer to the microphone and speak strongly into it? Volume settings here. Is there that better? Go. That's much better. Thank All right. I don't know why the uh, volume control is going nuts on me, so I hope it stays. Can you hear me fine? Yes, I can. Okay, I wanted to thank you and uh, let you know that your work has really inspired me to uh, get get out there and, and start learning some more and uh, doing the best I can to figure out what's going on in this world. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, now, the conversation with the energy before? Yes. I found that to be uh, kind of interesting because uh, I was looking at Einstein's equation, E equals MC squared. Right. And if you look at that, it's um, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. Now, when you look at that equation, you, you really got to break it down and figure out what mass and the speed of light are really describing. Um, mass, to me, equals space, while the speed of light squared equals time. Okay. So, really, energy is the... Um, the synthesis of time and space. It's the current moment. It's the, uh, the here and now. Right. That's and, an interesting uh, way of, of looking at it. And in that, in that yeah. regard, would it not be infinite? Yes, very much so, because we do have an infinite uh, quality of space and time. Right. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, when, when uh, people take over the... Uh, <laughs> I have to keep adjusting my volume. I don't know why it's going nuts. Um, hey, but you're, coming it, it, through, you're coming through fine now. Okay. I hope it just stays there. It keeps creeping down on me. I don't know why that is. Really weird. Anyways, um, it's a level of dependency that the people are uh, ending up in. They're ending up in a, a state of dependency because right. they're dependent on the uh, the systems that exist, which are not controlled by those people, so if they they have to get their energy needs and requirements from somewhere, who are they getting it from? They're getting it from these uh, you know multinational corporations and these large fuel companies that are controlled by you know government and uh, you know these corporate figureheads. It's really ridiculous to to think about it that way, but it's true. Absolutely, and that's exactly what they want. They want to feed off the needs of others, to have them dependent on them, to go to them for their, their resources, instead of tapping into the abundant wheelwork of nature, you know, which is 
infinite and supplies infinitely to us without asking or demanding anything. And it isn't about owning nature. It isn't about just taking more than you need or and hoarding, etc. It's about you know what we require each day and using you know what is within our need. Not about greed and selfishness and just you know using up you know the take, make, and throw away mentality. That's not what I'm advocating here in the sense that. Uh, I'm saying that energy is infinite. I'm saying there is more than enough present for all of our need. And if we simply take the approach that energy itself is free, it's, it's, a, it's a gift of God, if you will. It's a gift of creation, if you will. No one has the right to control that and meet it out to people in dribs and drabs, in, in, in tiny increments that keeps people completely dependent and also in a fight-or-flight modality over the perceived scarcity of it. That's not a right. It's not a human right to do that. Exactly. And then you have to keep running around in that uh, hamster wheel, that proverbial hamster wheel, to try to uh, you know make the money so you can pay the, pay the rent and pay the fuel costs and pay for uh, your heating and all of these different things. Sure. And that's, that's the structure that uh, humanity really has been in for the last you know, several thousand years. Right. That's I find it interesting that when I open up the um, topic of discussion to solutions in general, this is pro- the first thing that has come forward, that people are recognizing that the control of energy is one of the major problems. It's one of the absolute major issues that we're facing, that we're up against, and the solution lies in overturning that energy paradigm. That's one of the biggest solutions. You know, that's not one of the solutions that I've put on my solution section, but ultimately, perhaps it should be included in there. It certainly is. You know, my solutions are more abstract and and thought-based and and it's about changing our mind so then therefore we can go and change these you know um this paradigm of energy that we're basing the whole planet upon but absolutely the the overturn of the current outdated and immoral the outmoded and immoral energy paradigm that we're all living on on this planet is probably one of the ultimate solutions and perhaps we should do you know an entire show on that when it comes to solutions of course i you know really kind of did that when we talked with the uh, people from the tesla science foundation that talked about all the different uh, energy technologies that were showcased at the last uh, tesla science conference but uh, absolutely i think it's one of the most important things that we could discuss when we're talking about solution oriented approaches and for the uh, you know the ultimate form of energy dependence what is money that's right I mean, really energy that that feeds the entire structure which makes all the you know everything turn and everything work that's right but uh you know i've got a youtube channel can i uh can i throw the link out sure okay it's what makes it tick youtube.com slash what makes it tick you bet okay and uh i've included some of your work in there i've got a three-hour documentary i do presentations with a whiteboard Uh, a lot of it's uh esoteric a lot of it's, um, you know, I guess you could say magical-based. Okay. But uh, the information that I do is all, uh, you know, based in scientific principles, things that are evident logically. And I use things like the trivium to uh, try to express myself. I do the best I can. You know, I'm just one guy. And that's all anybody can ask. Will, thanks and, so and much. You know, I, yes. Yeah, and my is on uh, population control in particular. I don't mean eugenics. I mean... Uh, just the different systems and structures of institutions that exist 
and the fact that they are systems of population control. Absolutely. That is going on out there without any doubt. And people will look around and, you know, see, well, there is a whole lot of people concentrated into particular areas, and it's true. But it doesn't mean that if we changed our mind about the way, the manner in which we are living, and decided to make more sustainable systems, and to, instead of hoard people into compact, jam-packed cities where we're trucking in all the resources instead of growing the resources that we need all around us, you know, uh, we, what, the, the population it would not be a factor whatsoever. The reason that it's a factor in most people's minds is because it's set up in a sense of energy dependency and lack and manufactured lack. And that's because of the way that we're living in these concentrated regions that we call cities. If the population were to spread out and the population were to grow their, their, their energy resources that they need in, in terms of food around them every day in a sustainable way, this, this planet could sustain probably, I would endeavor to say, possibly 10 times the amount of population that we currently have now. And a lot of people will disagree with that, but that, that's my take on – I don't see that, that there being a, an overpopulation problem on Earth at all. I see there being an, a paradigm problem on Earth with how people think that we sh could continue to live in an unsustainable fashion, which isn't even possible. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much, Mark, for all that you do. Great. Will, thank you so much. Great call. All right, let's move on to another caller. I'll give the call-in number once again. Uh, all two hours, your calls on solutions, any solution-oriented approaches that you want to talk about, I would particularly like to hear from people about the responsibility to teach others and how they are doing that. And if they're not doing that yet, then why? Um, the call-in number for the show to join us, toll-free, 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number, 866 841 1065. Let's go back to the phones. Area code 503. Area code 503. You are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call. This is Anthony from Portland. Anthony, how are you? Uh, just doing fine. Uh, on the responsibility thing, um, one thing I've done is I just bought a domain name, and my plan is to uh, put a website on that and kind of document my process of what I'm going through trying to wake up and whatnot. Um, other thing is I've been uh, studying this uh, Kybalion. Yes. And I uh, wondered if you would take a question on that. Sure. Well, anyway, uh, on the principle of rhythm, they mentioned something in there called the law of neutralization. Yes. And there's another thing they call the law of compensation. And from my take on it is the law of neutralization is everything's going to swing back. You're going to have pleasure and pain and whatnot. But by uh, using the law of neutralization, which from my understanding is you basically bring yourself up to a higher plane, you can uh, avoid that swing back into the negative and whatnot. And uh, how do you do this? This is my question. My thought was you go into some kind of meditation. I've been um, sampling that too, but what's your take? 
Well, I don't think that this could be interpreted in the literal sense that if uh, you you raise yourself to a certain vibration, you're going to phase out of physical existence and maybe not experience negative consequences in the physical domain of what's happening around us. That is not what this refers to. I would say that this refers to mental consequences and the consequences that uh, govern our behaviors in the sense of natural law. So whereas the rest of the population may be experiencing all kinds of consequences because of how much that they are uh, contributing their energy to the control system, if someone raises their consciousness up to a higher level and is no longer feeding that which is immoral, then the overall consequences to them in uh, the, the general sense, in what is being generated uh, to, to, for them to, be, to experience will not be as harsh as many of the people who are ultimately serving that system, whether knowingly or unconsciously, uh, as the effects that they will themselves experience. So it's, I, I believe that this is about natural law consequences, not necessarily uh, the fact that you know, we might not experience the same physical results the same physical things that are going on in the world, like let's say if there is a, uh, um, you know, a uh, crackdown on American citizens in general, like there was in the Nazi regime, uh, it's not to say that people may not experience the negative consequences of something that goes on on a mass scale like that. Or if there is perhaps an earth event, you know, uh, an actual earth changes event that, you know, affects the, in, the entire planet in some form or fashion. It's not to say that you're definitely going to be insulated against that or you're going to be you know, in some kind of an energy cocoon protected from physical uh, results in the world. It's, I, I believe that what it's talking about here is that you're raising your consciousness up to a level of non-cooperation with evil, non-cooperation with um, immorality that other people are still contributing to and still going along with. And in doing that, your, the karmic consequences that you're going to experience in general, in your lifetime, whether it be in this physical reality or another reality that you'll experience sometime in the future, uh, you, will not, you will not take on the, the, the brunt of, of those consequential uh, uh, effects as severely as many other people will who did not do that work upon themselves. Yeah, right, right. It's um, per, I, I understand that uh, just because you raise yourself to a higher level of consciousness doesn't mean that you're not going to experience what every other physical being on this planet right. experiences. Right. So you're going to have to experience that. Um, but you think of it more as like um, just changing your consciousness. You change your frame of reference. The things happen, but they don't affect you the same way. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not just about changing your mind. It's about changing your mind and then changing your actions. See, the actions have to follow the change in mind. If you know, again, the old phrase applies, to know and not to do is not to know. So if you know and, and you say that you understand, but you're really not changing your behaviors, then do you really know? Absolutely not. You know, Real wisdom is in having an understanding of what's generating the experience and then changing your actions in accordance with natural law to then change the outward experience. So, you know, the action part of that is the most important thing. And that's what would ultimately have to be changed if you really wanted to lessen the impact of those consequences. 
uh, on an individual scale or on a mass scale. Oh, uh, one last thing. Uh, sure. I've been experimenting a little bit with these uh, hemisync, these binaural beats. Oh, yes. Uh, supposedly it's important. They give an effect like uh, brain entrainment. And you're talking about balancing the different yes. sides of your brain. Uh, they have been effective, but the one thing I found, if anybody wants to get into this, is don't drink caffeine the day that you're going to do this. I have some experience with this. I'm familiar with what you're talking about, and I do think that they're also pretty effective, and they're, they're, they work well. Um, uh, the, the caller is speaking about um, uh, Hemisync, uh, which uh, is a... Uh, um, there are sound patterns and... Um, frequencies that basically attempt endeavor to through through listening to them with headphones to help to bring both sides of the brain to balance through vibratory tones and energy and it's a very interesting um, uh, thesis that the people who put these out are working with because we are all vibratory energy and we do have resonances within the body and within the physiology and within the brain that um, can have uh, the resonances, uh, when applied to the physiology, can have an effect on uh, the way certain structures and functions within the brain work. You know, we are energy, we're existing in a sea of energy, and when you change the frequencies around us, then the, the physiological structures within the body can also be changed, healed, restructured. It, there, it's a very sound premise, actually. And I've actually used some of these myself in the past. You could download them on the internet, just type Hemisync, or you could bu buy them from some of the people that put these out. And uh, I feel that they are effective pattern, uh, effective uh, frequency tools in helping to uh, balance the hemispheres of the brain. Now, that being said, I'm not going to say you should rely on that totally. You know, not read, not learn, not understand, not, you know, work deeply upon the self even within a conscious state. But this can definitely help in a relaxed, almost meditative type setting to, uh, to work on this in an ancillary way. So I think that um, they are effective and, uh, you know, I'm not telling everybody go and rush out and buy them. But look into it, research it, see if you find it of value. And if you do, then, then employ it, uh, put, add it to your, uh, you know, arsenal of uh, other brain balance techniques and, and self-improvement techniques. But I, I definitely think there is uh, something to it and there is value in it. Yeah, it's for people that have a problem with uh, just a straight-up meditation. It, it gets you into that state quite a bit quicker. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, that's it for the call. I want to say thanks, Mark. Uh, take care, brother. Cheers. Thanks, sir. You got it. Great call. Okay. Hey. Let's move on to another caller. Okay. Caller from Philadelphia. 215 Area Code. You are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Uh, hey, what's up, Mark? Uh, Tim here. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Smith, one of the organi organizers of the Free Your Mind 2 conference. Welcome, Tim. Hey, man. Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, I got some things written down here on the uh, topic of uh, positive thinking. Sure. Uh, on a secret movie, so I would like to try to uh, cover some of uh, my take on Sure. Tim, just speak up a little bit louder or come in a little bit closer to the phone. You're a little bit low on, on volume there. Um, That's much better. Uh, okay. Great. All right. So uh, uh, when it comes to information, uh, you always need to learn how to filter out the bad and take in the good. 
Yes. So there is always good information within everything that's uh, uh, important to take from. I think that's 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 very powerful. Understanding that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, even in many things we don't agree with, you can filter it and take the things that are true from it and leave the rest. So the filtration system, when when applying it to information, you know many will call that the trivium process or the trivium method. It is very important in doing that, and also recognizing that even if Again, there are people we don't agree with. They could have made uh, contributions in certain ways that you know are valuable and true, and then you can leave the rest. And the same is true for people you mostly agree with. They could put out certain things out there that are that are false, and that doesn't negate, you know, or or maybe you know not entirely uh, accurate, and that doesn't necessarily negate the good things that they put forward. You know, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, and then you can continue with, with the list there, Tim. But uh, look at um, a, a lot of people are suspect of someone like Terrence McKenna, who I say is like a mentor to me because of so much valuable information he put out just because they don't like the fact that he talked about overpopulation. He bought into, during his lifetime, the overpopulation myth and accepted that into his worldview. So in that sense, was his worldview poisoned? Yes, partially it was, but that doesn't make him one of the bad guys just because he happened to fall for that uh, aspect of what the eugenicists were putting out there and telling people that, oh, it's, it's all about the overpopulation of the world. You know, that doesn't negate everything else that he talked about and make him an agent of some kind just because he happened to buy into this one aspect of worldview poisoning. So, you know, it swings both ways. There are people out there who could be put out, putting out tremendously positive, transformative information and tools for people, and they have some things that they aren't accurate on. And then there are people who you know, m might really be the bad guys and are throwing out some elements of truth out there to lure people in. It's about being discerning and filtering the information to take what is true is really transformative in a positive sense and leaving the rest. So that's a great point, Tim. And I would say that's a, that goes a long way toward a solution because it helps us really to purify, uh, you know, all the methodologies that we're looking to, to distill here toward the, 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 you know, ultimate solution of being truly free and being sovereign individuals and, you know, living in a uh, nonviolent way and, uh, you know, uh, being uh, in the world, but not being of the world, and really respecting the the uh, you know divinity and sovereignty in, in all others, and that's ultimately what we're trying the, the the distillation that we're trying to synthesize here that will really truly transform this world uh, for the positive for all of us. So that's a really really uh, poignant uh, aspect, a very powerful uh, point that you just made there about the way that we have to filter information. So. Uh, good point. W what was uh, your next uh, your next point? Okay. When, uh, uh, when it comes to the secret movie, I think there is uh, good to be taken from it. Sure. I think that good is that the uh, the law of attraction is real. Yeah. Um, uh, consciousness and different types of thought. Uh, I think they exist within different vibrational uh, constructs and their uh, magnetic energy and. Uh, as you as you uh, focus your mind on certain things that exist in a particular uh, frequency, 
information in that frequency will uh, come to you. We will come back to you in a synchronous manner. And uh, as you practice controlling your uh, mental focus, you will notice uh, this type of synchronism happening to you all the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, let me add to that a little bit. Part of this, um, the true aspect of the law of attraction that uh, they're putting forward in the New Age movement and in The Secret is that if you believe you can or you believe you can't, either, either way you're right. So if you focus, if your focus is constantly on, that's not possible, that's not possible, then the, the intelligent field of creation that exists all around us is going to rearrange the world to make that not possible because that's what you believe. That's what you are insisting that is true. You know, so many people say, well, it's not possible for people to really understand rights you know, to, for everybody to understand rights, for that to be common sense knowledge. I hear this from people all the time. I say, look, the solution is everybody simply has to know what a right is and what a right is not. Or in other words, what a wrong is. And then they have to be willing to extend that courtesy of, you know, choosing the right over the wrong when it comes to their interactions with other people. Oh, they say they want that for themselves and they don't want to be wronged by others, but they have to be willing to simply do that, to, to live that way, to put that into practice in their own life when it comes to their interactions with others. And you have people say, oh, that can't be. No one, everyone will not do that. Well, if that's how you think about it, then pr probably the universe is going to rearrange things to make it happen that way for you. You're going to envision that it's not possible. It's not possible. Then what are you going to be doing to make that the reality? Nothing, because you didn't think it was possible, so you won't put any energy behind it. You know, that's why so many people are not active. They don't believe that it's possible to do anything about the situation that we're in. And again, that's what the dominators want to control. The sense of possibility is what they're ultimately trying to control. If they have you in that level of mind control, you're done. Like I said, the ultimate form of mind control is the extermination of the imagination. What you are willing to perceive as possible, if they can control that, they got you. They got you and there is no escape. But if that is free, if the imagination can roam free, then your, your mind can envision possibility. And if you can envision possibility, then you're going to be willing to put your willpower behind that vision to make it a reality. So a uh, great point, Tim. And I, I think that is the, the true law of attraction and the true you know, way that we're going to generate and create our own reality. And it's all about possibility, what we will – what we – think is possible and again then what we're willing to put our energy and focus and willpower behind it to create that possibility in reality so good point yeah the uh speakers they kind of tell you not to look at positive uh not to look at negative things uh i think it's a little different you need to look at the negative in a positive way and turn the negative into a positive, you know, like a, you know, true alchemy. Right. And, uh, so learning from that negative so you can overcome it. Uh, and if you don't focus on the negative, you can never overcome that uh, negative situation. You know? That's right. Learning from mistakes, learning from 
learning in the apophatic sense. In other words, understanding what not to do. To look at the negative is to say, hey, this isn't working. And now I'm understanding that that doesn't work. And I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to change the behavior. But if you don't look at the shadow material, if you don't look at the demon side of things, so to speak, you're not going to learn from that. You know, and the apophatic methodology of learning is probably the strongest. Again, direct knowledge of something in the way of you did something, it gave you the wrong result, is probably one of the most powerful teachers. Again, I give the example of a kid who touches a flame over a hot stove. You know, did, did he have to experience that? No, he didn't have to experience it, but I guarantee you that's going to be an even better teacher when he gets his fingers burned and blisters up his hand than someone telling him that's hot and because it's hot, you shouldn't touch it because there are negative uh, consequences for putting your hand over that flame. Him doing it himself in contravention to the warning is going to teach him for all time, for the rest of his life, and he's never going to forget that lesson. And, you know, maybe that's what humanity is trying to do here, to, to go directly into the flames themselves because they don't want to learn from uh, uh, word teaching, from the teachings of words and communication. They are only going to be satisfied if they go into the prison themselves, but unfortunately I don't know if there's any uh, turning back from that. You know, uh, I think, um, you know, just burning a few uh, fingers is a little bit different than what humanity is uh, seemingly trying to do here by stepping into the the big flames, you know, of uh, of a prison planet, so to speak. Um, and uh, there might not be any return from from that abyss, which we're seemingly so keen to go over the cliff and directly into. But uh, that gnosis, that direct experience of the negative is a powerful transformative tool. And again, it's one of the best teachers. I believe, I haven't definitely decided yet, but I am leaning toward making my talk at the Free Your Mind conference, Free Your Mind 2 conference, about this event, about this dynamic. The um, experience of chaos and the embrace of the potential for chaos may just be my topic at the at the event and i'm going to be deciding that over the next month or two but that seems to be what i'm leaning toward because people really need to understand that chaos is not necessarily the enemy here it can be a powerful teacher it is one of what i call the two teachers so tim stay with us we'll be right back after the station break you're listening to what on earth is happening we all Welcome back, everyone. What on earth is happening? Here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. Today is Sunday, October 28, 2012. We're in the second hour of the show. Let's go back to the phones. Tim, are you still with us? You were talking about some of the uh, positive aspects of the secret and the law of attraction uh, when it comes to positive thinking. Yes, I'm here. Great. Um, so, so I think uh, uh, consciousness and thought, it all exists in a uh, matter of vibration. And as you uh, 
as you uh, raise your vibration, a uh, higher consciousness will come back to you. And if you live, uh, exist in a lower uh, base desire type of vibration, this is where you're going to exist in life. Yep. Um, I think the way to raise your vibration is to turn from uh, your uh, negative experiences in life and problems uh, that exist around us. Um, so it's not to not look the negative, but That's to look right. at it uh, as deeply as you can and uh, learn from it and raise up so it... Uh, so then you can it. Exactly. I think, that's the, uh, I think that's what we really need to get out of the, uh, the law of attraction there. Sure. And, and if not, if we don't do that, what was the suffering for? What did we gain? What was the net gain for having gone through that experience? Nothing. You know? So I, I totally agree. That is what the reason for the existence of the negative aspects are. And if we don't pay attention to them and ignore them, as many in the New Age movement would have us do, we are completely squandering the lesson. It, is, it absolutely is about looking at and learning from the negative experience without any question. And we've talked about that a lot here on the show and talked about how that is a deception in the New Age movement to uh, not talk about the negative things that are going on all around us because, again, those are some of the most profound lessons that we could uh, learn from. So, great point, Tim. What what else do you have? Um, so, yeah, as uh, from learning from the negative, this is how we raise our consciousness and the uh, vibrational frequency that we exist in. And uh, as we change our frequency, all new information uh, will appear and uh, a new life will emerge for us. Yes. And uh, I think it's all a matter of focus, help us focus our minds and a matter of... Uh, through focus in our minds, it's a matter of frequency, too. Sure. Uh, Tim, can I ask you to just speak up a little bit or come closer to the phone again? You're fading into the background a little bit again. Uh, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's my phone. Uh, any better here? Much better. Thank you. Continue. Okay, yeah. So as we, uh, as we learn from the negative and uh, raise our frequency, all... Uh, all new love will emerge around us, and I think it's all a matter of uh, being able to control our mental focus. Uh, so many people in the world nowadays do not know how to focus and control yes. their focus uh, throughout the day, you know? That's right. They're, they're scattered, you know, and their, their will is quite low when it comes to putting their attention on something and holding it there. And... Um, you know, the point that you made about if your desires are oriented toward base things, that's going to be your experience. If your desires are focused on a high, the higher life as it is known, then that's going to become your experience. If your desire is on freedom and truth and justice and harmony with natural law and respect, true respect and consciousness and responsibility, you know, and... Uh, you know, conscience, doing the right thing, then if all of our focus is on that, what do you think is going to express in the world? What we pay attention to is ultimately what manifests in the world. What is true about the so-called laws of attraction as put out by a lot of the New Age movement is energy flows where attention goes. This is 100% the case. That is true. 
at all times and places. Where we put our attention, that's what's going to manifest in our reality. Without any doubt whatsoever, that is how it works. So then you simply look around and ask yourself the question, what are people focused on? What is their attention on on a daily basis? And the, the answer, if we're being honest with ourselves, is junk, trash, garbage, low things, low vibratory energy, low vibratory things. You know? And it's, the big part of the focus is on money. So what do you think is going to be fed by that? You know, money is going to take the biggest precedence. People are going to want to put more attention on that, and that beast is going to grow. you got to put your attention on freedom. You have to put your attention on morality. And that means understanding why those things are being diminished in the world. It's not to say, well, don't look at the reason why it's, 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 you know, those things are going away. No, you have to look at the reason why it's going away. Because if you don't know the reason why any problem exists, you're powerless to solve the problem. You don't know the causal factor that led to the effect. And this is one thing that you'll see is very, very mysteriously, or maybe not so mysteriously, maybe conspiratorially missing from the quote-unquote New Age movement, is the law of cause and effect. They don't talk about that one much. Very occasionally you'll hear it. But they'll very rarely talk about if you don't pay attention to the causal factor, you cannot solve the problem because you're operating in the realm of effect. And you're never going deeper than that to the realm of causality to understand what generated the problem to begin with. Because you may have to look at negative things there. In the, in the realm of causality. And this New Age movement, you know, this you know, fake aspect of the New Age movement, they want to try to take people's focus and energy off of that, those causal factors. And that's where they're not doing a service to humanity. They're doing a big disservice by telling people, don't look at that. You're telling people, in telling people not to look at the negative, you're telling them not to look at a cause. And again, if they don't understand the cause, they can never understand what generated the effect, what generated the manifested reality that they are experiencing, and therefore there is no way to change that reality. So what part of what we're going to do, Tim, I'm really glad you brought up this aspect, okay? Because part of what the organizers of the Free Your Mind Conference are getting ready to do uh, coming up in the next few days actually um it'll be next weekend friday saturday and sunday the second third and fourth here in philadelphia we are going to directly engage the new age movement community because there is a big conference coming up here in philadelphia that a lot of new agers are going to be present at it's called the mind body spirit expo and i'm not telling people about it to promote the event although i think there are some good that you can pick up by checking out an event like this. Absolutely, there is good there. Um, but we are going there to hand out flyers for the Free Your Mind 2 conference coming up in Philadelphia to try to take the large numbers that exist in this community and try to get them to understand some of the really deeper occult aspects that are taking place around us and start to get these people who partially care but they are still lacking a lot of knowledge about causal factors. 
that have led to the problems we are experiencing. And they need to be exposed to more information like what we're going to be putting out at the Free Your Mind 2 conference. So we're going to do heavy promotion at the Mind Body Spirit Expo for the Free Your Mind 2 conference this weekend uh, in Philadelphia. So uh, the organizers will be there. Many of us will be. And we'll be handing out, we got 5,000 full-color postcards already made, ready to go. And we're going to be handing them out like crazy at the uh, Mind Body Spirit Expo next weekend in Philadelphia. So Tim, great points. What else do you have for us? Uh, yeah, I just uh, some line with what you were explaining. I like uh, I like to think of the law of attraction more as the power of thought. It's the uh, power of thought on the field of consciousness that exists all around us. Um, Otherwise, the way we think and how it affects uh, through cause and effect and natural law, you know? That's exactly right. Uh, 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 a book that I would like to recommend that's helped me a lot understand this stuff is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Great book. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a very easy uh, and short read, and uh, but the knowledge is infinite in its wisdom. And uh, he says that a, a man's character in being is the complete some of his thoughts. That's exactly so, um, right. So yeah, there's uh that's a great book and I've read that about seven times now. It's a short read too for anybody that wants a good introduction to uh this, you know, way of changing one's paradigm and worldview and uh understanding how we're drawing realities to us by what we perceive as possible. It's definitely a great read and a short read as well. Okay, so I just have uh, one more thing uh, on uh, positive thinking, something that... Uh, Tim, real, real quick, before you get into your next point, I, I would like to recommend a couple of books. I mentioned his name last week, Richard W. Wetherill, and these are also short and easy-to-digest works. Um, the, the book Tower of Babel by Richard Wetherill. And that you can you can download these in the first of all you can go to his website and download them for free or you can get them right from the podcast section. I actually added his uh, works to the Natural Law, the first uh, podcast that I did on Natural Law, which I believe was back in the in the 60s. Uh, no, I'm sorry, in the 70s, someplace I can't recall the exact podcast, maybe 72 or something like that. Um, but uh, Rich, any of Richard Wetherill's works. Um, I would also uh, highly recommend um, Right is Might by Richard Weatherill. Right is Might. Also, there's a good synthesis of his work that was written, I believe, posthumously, and it's called Be Right or Go Wrong. And this is about essentially the law of attraction, the, the way that we our actions and behaviors are either in harmony with natural law or in contravention to it and therefore we're ultimately generating uh you know the consequences the experience and it is if it, if we're operating in the parameters within the parameters of natural law the experience is going to be positive and beneficial and if we you know <clears throat> completely uh trounce other people's natural law rights and you know refuse to live in harmony with the laws of right and wrong, then our experience is ultimately going to be negative and painful and full of suffering. So he does a really great job of explaining it, the simplicity and understanding how that we can really come to understand this at a deep level and test it in our own lives. So those two books, uh, Tower of Babel and Right is Might 
by Richard Wetherill, uh, and also, again, the synthesis of his work, which can be found on his site or on um, uh, the What on Earth is Happening podcast on natural law, which is called Be Right or Go Wrong. If uh, people are interested in uh, you know, doing a little bit of reading when it comes to the real laws of attraction, then this is the gentleman that one of the gentlemen I would recommend. As the previous caller brought up, I would also highly recommend the uh, um, uh, work of Hermetics known as the Kabbalion. So definitely check that out as well. So, uh, Tim, continue uh, your next point. Uh, yes, um, so uh, the idea that everything happens for a reason uh, helped, a lot, uh, helped me a lot with positive thinking. Yes. But, uh, if you know everything happens for a reason, the uh, one negative thing isn't negative anymore. Uh, everything happens to you for a reason. That reason is for you to learn from it. Exactly. Uh, to learn and increase consciousness, and then uh, what you learn is is up to you to find out. So that's uh, that uh, that that uh, everything happens for a reason. Instead of saying, uh, "What's something bad happens to you?" Oh, why me? You right. then think, "Well, what can I learn from this?" And, that's uh, right. We're driving. That, that's what it is. We're driving. No one's directing this big spaceship Earth except us. We're the ones who are driving our experience here. And we have to own that responsibility. We have to come to terms with that and own it. If it's happening here on Earth, we are doing it. Okay, and I'm, you know, of course, the exception of nature as far as the forces of, of the physical aspects of nature, hurricanes, earthquakes, and hey, maybe even in a lot of ways we might be doing those things too in the modern day at least. You know, but it, barring those uh, acts of God, quote unquote, we are creating, we are generating our experience here on earth. We're the ones driving. And we have to, again, come to terms with that and own it and accept the responsibility that goes hand-in-hand hand with that understanding. Great point, Tim. What else? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, I thought of something else because uh, you brought up the Kabbalion. Um, I think the uh, law of attraction ties in with the, uh, uh, the seven principles of uh, hermeticism, especially uh, principle number one, the all is mind. Right. And also the uh, principle of correspondence that what you put out comes back to you. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Two of the most powerful pieces of understanding that anyone can incorporate. Understanding that mind is the generator of everything that we're doing, and ultimately it's what we care about that is acting as the prime generator. You know, what, what we are taking from our heart and putting into our mind. The heart's really the generator. You know, it's about what we care about. And uh, that's where it ultimately stems from, the heart. And that's what's driving what we're doing with our mind. Our care is driving the mind. But the mind ultimately then expresses what we experience. That's the principle of mentalism, that the all is a mental construct. It is a creation of mind. And the principle of correspondence, I mean, I can't say enough about that. And hopefully my breakdowns of natural law have helped people to really understand that the universe is a mirror and that which we are putting out into it is coming back to us, that we will experience that which we uh, generate and put out there into the field of creation. It will always come back to us and we will experience it. We are experiencing ourselves ultimately 
what what it, we are made of is what our experience will be also made of that will be the quality of our experience so um absolutely powerful points that people need to accept to understand and accept it isn't about belief it is about these are forces that exist in nature this is just how the laws of the universe work man didn't create them we are subject to them you know there's one thing you're not going to be free of you're not going to be free from natural law natural law is what this entire domain is governed by and again if you can figure out a way out of the physical universe you let me know where there is no natural law you know and there are no con there's action without consequence because in this entire universe there is no such thing as action without consequence what you do you, you're free to do what you will that's free will but you're not free to do what you will and have no consequence so we have free will but not without consequence there is free will with consequence this is a free will with consequence domain that's where you're at in a domain where there is free will with consequence and that's what the law of correspondence is all about and in understanding that it has nothing to do with religion it has nothing to do with belief systems it is just like understanding gravity or uh, any other force that exists within nature it is simply that which is man did not create those laws they are in effect you are bound by them the end for all time and again if you don't like that you let me know when you could figure out a way out of this universe and I'll be right behind you but until then you better understand and accept that there are laws in place that govern the consequences of our behaviors and then try to bring your behavior into accordance with those laws so you don't generate self-inflicted suffering it would probably be a wise thing but hey most people don't want to hear that they want to think they can act without consequence and they're going to bring down heaps of suffering down upon them just like bringing a building right down on their head you know detonating a building and being in it at the same time and that's what largely humanity is doing here on earth at this current time so tim phenomenal points uh do you have anything else for us i just wanted to uh say that you know you've helped me a whole lot uh understand these uh fundamental laws and i just want to thank you for that and uh and that's all I got. So have a good night, man. Tim, always a pleasure, man. You keep up the good work that you're doing, my friend. Great call. Always a pleasure to hear from Tim Smith. Again, Tim is one of the organizers of the Free Your Mind Conference, and the Free Your Mind Conference would not be what it is without his help. So let's move on to another call. Let me give the call-in number once again. We'll be taking calls throughout the end of the show. Not many people in the queue, so if you uh, want to call in, you'll per pretty much be bumped right to the top of the queue. Um, you won't, shouldn't have to hold on for that long. So uh, call in number, 866-841-1065. Once again, toll free. Call in number to join us. We're talking about solutions, anything that we've covered in the solutions section. I would also really like to hear from you about the responsibility of teaching people the information that we've been talking about here since day one on what on earth is happening. If you're doing it, how is it going? If you're not doing it, why aren't you? So I'd, I'd like to hear that dynamic. Uh, the toll-free number to join us, 866-841-1065. 
Okay, let's go back. I believe that this is Kevin who had a problem with his phone earlier. Let's go back to him and see if he's okay. Kevin, are you with us? Area code 602, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Oh, hi, it's Ivan in Phoenix. Can you hear me a little better now? Ivan, I can hear you much better now. There's still a little bit of static, but you're definitely coming through okay now. Okay. Well, it's not probably static. It's a bunch of background noise. I'm at work. I and see. there's so much I really want to talk to you about and put out there, but... That's un- yes, that, that, is, know it, uh, that is understood, and we'll, we'll deal with it because I can at least hear your voice well now. So you go right ahead. Okay, I'll just try and throw everything out here in a minute, and then uh, you can take it from there. Right. Um, I'm, I guess I'm pretty much your uh, media correspondent because a lot of my stuff is uh, referenced from movies and TV shows. I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show Fringe. Yes, I am. It has during the op- Okay, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed during the opening credits. I have not watched the whole I'm, I'm, I'm checking out season one right now. People think that that's odd because oh, this is something I would really have to do. But I've just actually done uh, really getting into it a little bit. Watched sort of allegorical uh, connections and seeing where they're going. So um, I'm kind of behind on that. Okay, well, I don't think you. You've probably noticed during the opening credits that they have a lot of words coming across the screen, like uh, quantum physics and, uh, you know, um, alternative uh, universes, stuff like that. Well, this season is pretty interesting that during the opening credits, they show the words community, joy, education, free thought. And the last word they show is freedom wrapped around in barbed wire. And uh-huh. everyone and all those words are inside a prison. So oh. it's pretty interesting that that's what they're showing as our future because this season takes place in the future. Very interesting. Yeah, I did not, I was not aware of that. So thanks for that. I'll, I'll definitely be working my way up to that. Right. And then another thing, uh, two more media-related things, the film Atlas Shrugged, uh, the second part is out. I was not aware, you know, never uh, got into Anne Ryan's work. Right. After watching these two films, that's also very interesting concepts there that can be taken in either way, via the rich to, you know, maintain society the way it is, or for the regular people like us to realize why things are the way they are. I think there's a lot of value in, in Rand's work. I, I don't think that she was like fully enlightened by any stretch of the imagination or you know, understood a lot of uh the aspects of the conspiratorial um system that you know were all embedded in. But um there is a lot of value in the uh free market aspects of her work when it comes to promoting innovation and freedom. So uh I, I would say she's someone I partially agree with, and then there's some aspects of her work that I don't agree with, but I definitely value studying her work. I would definitely recommend people to check out the philosophy. It leans a bit too into the selfish side for me, into altruism that's kind of which I cannot work with at all. But, um, uh, right, right. And, and one last quick thing. That's aspect there's the nut. Yes. One, one last quick thing then, uh, well, I still have a few more things, but real quick, uh, also on the movie side, there's a film that came out this weekend called Cloud Atlas by the Wachowski siblings, 
the ones who did The Matrix, and I've seen this film already twice. It is excellent. It's in the top ten list for me, and it's very a uh, lot of information that you would probably love and pick up on. And uh, listeners of the show, I okay, would what recommend was the name of the film again? Cloud Atlas. Cloud based on a book that came out in 2004. Okay. Right. Cloud Atlas, there's a lot of good dialogue and concepts in this film also. Uh, one particular dialogue that stands out for me is um, uh, one of the main characters says, every crime and every good deed creates our future. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, it's very, very deep, very, uh, you know, fundamental kind of ideas that... Uh, a lot again, of people, the Wachowski brothers put into film. Yes, a lot of people are really getting the idea and putting it out there that we are creating the experience that we can have. To, we're making our bed and we have to lay in it. And that's all it really comes down to. It's just a lot of people are putting us forward in, uh, in attitudes. So I'll check that one out, definitely. Right, right. And then one, one quick uh, comment or just something else I'll throw out there. This past weekend, uh, yesterday, Saturday morning, was David Icke's uh, Wembley Arena lecture and conference or whatever presentation. I don't know if you caught somebody or watched it. I did but not. One, one. A friend of mine ordered uh, it and is a professor. Not a I'm going to the next day. But uh, I heard it successful and Right. Yes, it was very informative. Yes. Lots of good information from David Icke again. New concepts too regarding Saturn and the moon and stuff like that. Uh, my thing is that I had a meetup group set up for that. Yes. And I don't know how your meetup groups go back there in Phoenix, uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, this touches on your uh, topic of uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I get about 10 to 15 RSVPs for these meetups. Yep. But the disappointing part is that only about four or five actually show up. So there are people that know the information right. or know of the information, but they don't really take the time to put in the right. action, the effort that's to be right. part of it and participate and in it. So that's a little bit of the thing holding us back as a movement yes. or, or you know, I, getting I things agree. off the ground. I agree with you, and, and I will share a little bit of the experience that we're having as part of the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity uh, documentary night meetups. I mean, it could be possibly because they just think that they know this information, but we get into discussions there that I guarantee you that people who can really learn a lot of the discussions that we engage in, we're also seeing very low numbers. Now, we used to have 25, 30 people come out, and now over, uh, over the last couple of meetings, we've had probably which is not encouraging, and especially now at the time, the, the, the critical time that we're in right now and how, you know, um, you know this is um, feeling a sense of urgency now more than ever. So uh, I'm kind of discouraged in seeing the numbers of people who are willing to come out and spend their, their time to, you know, edify themselves, get into discussion. Whether the films are the most Wow, Mark, I could hardly make you out here. I'm, you're, I'm losing the call, so I'll let you go, and um, I'll try and call back uh, one of your next shows then. All right, Ivan, thanks so much. Great call. Okay, so at least that'll knock out the background noise, and I'll continue with what I was saying. Um, 
yeah, we're seeing a diminished uh, amount of numbers in people who are coming out in the documentary screening and discussion evenings. Um, even the last fundraiser for the Free Your Mind conference was very, very low on people, even though I gave a presentation that I worked for weeks at really putting something very nice together. And I thought that the information there was top-notch, and yet we had a very disappointing turnout. It's very difficult to get people to sustain their energy, sustain their effort, and that's what is, is the solution. It's going to take sustained will, constant willpower, constant effort, constant work. That's what the process of alchemy is about. Now is no time to be quitting. I feel the, the low surge of energy as well. I said that a couple of weeks back or last week. And there's no question about it. The, the times we're living in are, as far as knowing what's going on truly, it's draining on the psyche. And that's why you have to build the will, build up the will. I, I understand with the strength of will that I have, I still feel the pressure to, 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 you know, of, oh, it's not having a, enough of an impact or, you know, we're not getting enough done or it's, it's you know, too much of the negative dynamic and we, we're never going to overturn it. But it, again, I, even if that's where my current thinking is in any particular day, I still say it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what the right thing is for that reason alone because it's the right thing. For no other reason. Again, the idea of Smith grabbing Neo by the neck and saying, why do you continue to fight me when you know you can't win? Or, you know, at least the dynamic looks like you can't win. And his answer is simply because I choose to. Free will. That's how I'm going to use it. I'm not going to squander my free will. I'm going to use it and employ it through constant effort. Even if I feel like giving up, I'm not going to. And believe me, I'm on the, I am sometimes on the verge of giving up. But I, I make a continual renewal, a continual renewal in the moment to press forward. And that's the kind of effort that this is going to take to get done. If you don't have that, get off the battlefield. You know? Because, again, if you think this, this is going to be an easy you know, stretch and it's not going to be an uphill climb, you're sorely mistaken. I didn't say it would be you know, uh, difficult to under, understand. It's simple, but easy and simple are two different things. Okay? It's not going to be easy. Where we've worked ourselves, the corner we've worked ourselves into, it will not be easy. But the truth is always simple. And it requires no special magical effort to understand. To create that change, though, is, go is going to be difficult and require a Herculean effort of will. And we should psychologically prepare ourselves for that encounter. You know, because we are pedaling uphill. There's no question of that. But, um, yeah, the, the numbers of people, again, to go back to Ivan's uh, point that he was making about being disappointed about numbers, it's, it's the same, we're seeing the same dynamic here in Philadelphia. 
you know, pe- people say that they're going to come out, and then the number, the turnouts are always less than the RSVPs. But um, again, I think it's because a lot of people are feeling that pressure, and they're they're down on things. You know, it's up to us to renew it and to come up with some creative things to regenerate their interest to help them make that renewal of will and effort. That's what it's all about. And if we're going to do that, you know, if we're going to be effective teachers in that regard, or at least way showers, you could even look at it as, if you don't even like the word teacher, just a way shower, you know, then we have to at least steel ourselves against that ebb of energy that we're feeling and say, I'm going to make a continuous renewal because I know it's the right thing. And then try to reach down into ourselves and generate some creative energy and put something forward that might rejuvenate their interest. That's the best advice I can give at the current time because I'm feeling the same thing you are, my friend. We're seeing the same thing here. Does that mean I'm going to give up? Absolutely not. So let's go back to the phones. We still have some callers on the line for this last half hour of the show. Caller from the 513 area code, 513, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. 513 would be from Cincinnati, Ohio. Bob, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob from Cincinnati. Thank you, Mark. It is your friend Bob from Cincinnati. Mark, please, you know, and I know that we don't, we, we do use you as a crutch. Please, please don't be disheartened, sir. It is, it is tiresome. Uh, there is a an array of electromagnetic low frequency ELF waves yes. uh, constantly bombarding us, weakening our our uh, sense of uh, of strength. Uh, I myself can literally hear the frequency in the quiet of the night. It used to be at three or four in the morning, one could quietly uh, gather their thoughts and meditate as the hum of the the natural uh, day of the modern world had subsided. Now this uh, nonstop electromagnetic low-frequency wave is running uh, through this array of towers. Uh, we must be aware of it. Um, I'm, I'm like Don Quixote uh, striking the cell towers with my uh, lance. <laughs> but, you know, and you're right, it is sad that uh, our, our strength, our resolve does weaken. Uh, but please keep your resolve up, sir. Trying to. I'm doing my best. And and I know you were recently under some kind of computer attack from your last uh, uh, show. You you spoke of uh, all manner of uh, computer things going it, down. It, was, uh, it the, wasn't an attack. It was simply hardware failure from uh, a design flaw that had existed. And mm-hmm. I did get it taken care of, and it was a painful process. But I'm uh, working to ensure that uh, even if something similar to that does happen again, uh, I have some... I have some uh, insurance in place and, uh, you know, backup. And, uh, of course, I meticulously back up my actual material and documents on my computer. That was no worry ever. But uh, it was simply a hardware issue that I, at the time, really did not have the – did not even have the funds to solve the problem. And a friend helped me out by, you know, coming forward with some funds, which I, you know, thanked uh, John last week on the show. If he hadn't done that, I might still be down. So um, that that was just great that you know a friend helped uh, come forward with that with that uh, financial effort when it was needed as well. 
So, um, yeah, it, it, I don't believe it was an attack from anyone, anyone outside. It was simply a hardware failure. But again, when that, when that strikes and you don't have the means for correcting it or the financial means for getting what you need, then, you know, that could be a big problem. And that was a problem with me for, you know, a, over a week, you know, it made into the second week and, you know, things didn't really work out that, that second week. So I couldn't come right back onto the earth then, but, uh, it's all worked out now, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, again, I'm working to take a measure of insurance so things flow a little bit more smoothly for me here in the in the technology department. Uh, luckily, I have a lot of skills in that regard because that's what I used to do for a living. You know, I worked yeah. as a uh, technical specialist, so you know, even with that, this really set me back a little bit. But uh, it's worked out now, and things uh, seem to be going pretty smoothly. So, that, thanks for your concern in that regard. Oh, we're all concerned, Mark. We, we appreciate your fine work, as always. Um, two things, a comment and a question. The comment is, congratulations on securing uh, heavy hitters to the Free Your Mind 2 conference yes. uh, in the form of uh, Mark uh, Phillips and Kathy O'Brien. Very interesting. Uh, should be quite a treat. It's going to be great. I'm so looking forward to their information that they're going to present, and uh, it, it's an honor to have them as part of the conference. Absolutely. Their, their story is intriguing, to be sure. Um, and then a question, Mark. Uh, uh, I know it's a negative combination of numbers, but uh, the 77 is, keeps popping up in my world. And I remember that it was a dark occultic uh, uh, configuration. Can you remind me, please, and others, why uh, it is a dark occult uh, symbol, 77? Thank you again for your voice, Mark. We'll sure. talk soon. Yeah, um, I could briefly talk about some uh, numerology in that regard. And uh, 77 is generally known as the number of sorcery in the occult. I would say that the one exception to that rule would be Crowley's book 77, which I think has very powerful spiritual truths contained within it, uh, which is known as Liber Oz, the book of Oz. Um, but to go back to the... Uh, question about why 77 is seen as a sorcerer's number and uh, uh, dark occultism, that's because it is um, being looked at in connection to the number 777 in occult or gematria terms. 777 is seen as the number of man's completion or man's activation, if you will. So, you're seeing the number seven, seven, two sevens, seventy-seven, in relationship to the three sevens, the triple seven. The triple seven generally represents, again, man's consciousness coming into full activation and into a state of non-duality, meaning that as one thinks, so one feels, so one acts, and there is no contradiction there is no uh, separation between those three modalities of consciousness. So your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions are in alignment and non-duality. That is man's positive, awakened, enlightened, activated state from which he is going to generate true freedom. If one of those components is in failure or missing altogether, then the solution is not possible to enact. It is not possible to create true freedom. It is not possible to create one's reality wisely. 
because you have to have your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions all in place and working properly toward the same end in non-contradiction, non-duality. Therefore, the 77 represents two of those three aspects, but nothing in the way of the other, in the way of the third. And of course, when it comes to the dark occult and sorcery in general, the two aspects that are complete are the thoughts and the actions. In other words, the intellect and the will have come together to their full expression. But the thing that is the zero is the emotions, is the heart. So there is no emotion present, and this is what a sorcerer is. A sorcerer is one with no emotions, but who has intellect and the willpower to back up the intellect, to carry out what they want to do. But there is no true care. There is no true heart involved. And therefore, that is why 77 in certain occult systems of numerology has become uh, associated with the dark occult or the concept of sorcery in general. And I would say, the again, the exception to that is Book Oz that Crowley wrote, which is about the expression of the natural rights of man, very much in harmony with natural law, as a matter of fact, and talks about man being the generator of our experience here that we are actually the creator of our experience and then goes on to list the universal rights of man. And it's something I haven't talked about much because I haven't really gotten much into Thelemic philosophy on the show other, other than to comment about what Thelema in general represents and some of the things, some of the concepts numerologically and in gematria that uh, it works with. And perhaps I should do a whole show on the Thelemic philosophy in general the general tenets of the Lema at some future point, maybe break down a couple of Crowley's writings like the book of Oz, Liber 77, or perhaps uh, parts of the book of lies that he wrote, which uh, is an interesting name. doesn't mean what people think it does, but part of that is chapter 23, which is one of my favorite pieces of Crowley's writings. I've never really talked about the numerology of the number 23 either, which I'd like to get into at some future point. Um, I think that's very powerful and almost as powerful as the number 93 um, when it comes to conceptual ideas that it represents. You know, the chapter 23 in the Book of Lies is all about getting out of the mental prison that most of us are living in, freeing ourselves from mental bondage from the head cage. The beginning of book 23 is cephale kg, cephale kappa gamma. Cephale in Greek means head, and then kephale is the exact correct pronunciation. And then the letters kg is green language for cage. So kephale kappa gamma, head cage. Kephale means head in Greek, and then kg, cage, kappa gamma. So he wrote in code, he wrote in cipher, and you know the number 23 is all about getting out, you know, it represents escape, not in the sense of escapism, but of, of release from attachment, of getting out of your current shackles, of your constraints that you're currently under, they're, they're shackling you and enslaving you. So it's all about getting out of the head cage. Maybe I'll break that down at some future point. Maybe, you know, who know? I, uh, maybe we could do a show on Thelema on Occult Empire, Bob. Who knows? 
you know, we could uh, tackle that at some future point. Or maybe, again, I'll do um, a show on it here on What on Earth is Happening as another breakdown of an occultic uh, philosophy. But uh, that's the breakdown of 77 as I understand it in Gematria terms and why that, that has become known as associated with uh, dark occultism and sorcery. So I hope that answers the question. Let's go back to the phones. Area code 250. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Mark. Hey, who am I speaking with? Uh, my name is Brad. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? I'm doing all right today. Great. Um, just calling in because I've listened to you for quite a while, and a couple of little things maybe you haven't covered, and I'm kind of interested in on your take on them. So the sure. kind of question really. Um, the first question is, how does natural law view um, pro-life, pro-choice, abortion? Yes, that is definitely doing harm. So. Harmony with natural law would not include the practice of abortion. Harm is being created to a living being. Okay, so uh, natural law wouldn't wouldn't um, be affected, of course, by rape or incest. It, it wouldn't see those two things. Is that correct? Those who would be working in harmony with natural law would be attempting to get at the root causes for why anyone would do those practices and therefore address those causes, which would then not lead to those eventualities, and the problem would take care of itself. Okay. Um, so if it did happen, then hopefully it was resolved before it happened? Well, this is the entire problem. It's a chicken and egg scenario. People say, well, what about the people who are going to murder people or are going to steal from people? What do you do about those people? Well, yes, you have to address those people. You have to deal with those people. And, you know, it isn't about drafting laws that say you can't do things that are already in contravention to natural law. It's about simply taking action if someone is going to take those behaviors and act upon them. But the problem already exists. The, the failure is already present because you allowed someone to grow up in the worldview, in the worldview poisoning that would lead to th that condition. You didn't deal with the problem. You didn't nip it in the bud, so to speak, through proper education in the developmental period of youth. And this is the entire problem. We're a nation of grown children. We're a world of grown children that know nothing about how the laws of nature operate and think we're adults. And there's 80-year-old people who are mental midgets, mental infants, complete spiritual and mental infants who have never thought about anything worthwhile or anything higher than the most base of functions and needs in their entire lives and are totally self-serving you know, and totally reptilian mindset. And then there are 13-year-olds with profound spiritual understanding. You know, so age is meaningless. Physical age is meaningless when it comes to knowledge about how things actually operate. It's all about were you nurtured? Were you truly raised out of base consciousness? How was that, how was that computer that we call the human brain programmed? What kind of software went into it during the formative years of development, which largely determines the worldview and behaviors of an individual. And that can be changed, even if it's, even if it's been very badly programmed, as I was. When I was a child, the worldview that I was taught by my family members was atrocious, 
an atrocity. And it took me years to overturn that programming. But I did it in an act of will. And this all comes down to the effects. You cannot treat the effects. So when we're talking about what people are willing to do for money or to sate their base desires, rape, incest, theft, theft, you know, murder, etc., these are the effects. The effects cannot be treated. You have to treat the causal factors. And the causal factors is the programming that we're receiving, the miseducation that we're receiving that has nothing to do with truth and has nothing to do with an accurate understanding of how the laws of nature function. That's where the problem has to be addressed from, and then you will not manifest those behaviors. The society will not manifest those behaviors. Why do you think these behaviors are largely not present, and the manifestations of those behaviors are largely not present in truly shamanic cultures? Because they treat the issue and nip it in the bud. They teach people the true way of being in the world that doesn't lead to chaotic conditions like that from the time that they're young. And they are not permitted to refuse those teachings. They hammer them forcefully into the child. And, and people will say, oh, that's a form of mind control. Yes, it is. It's, a, it's mind control. That's the time to engage true, positive mind control. You're putting programming, you're putting software into the brain of a child. So then what gets output on the screen is beautiful and harmonious instead of a piece of junk, which the, the parents of today's society are children themselves. And even, the, even people who do have a somewhat adult mindset from a spiritual perspective, they don't want to do that work. They want to leave it to somebody else. This is what responsibility is all about. This is what the shirking of responsibility is about. A, a friend of mine, or I, I don't even want to use the word friend because I want to be more selective about who I'll use that word to, to describe. An associate of mine who I do not dislike, I actually like, at, at a point in the past said to me, I'm not concerned about other people's education. That's not my responsibility. And I said, you obviously don't understand what's driving the dynamic, the miseducation. And if you know, then you have a responsibility to try to balance that by putting out the information and, and helping them to rewrite that software code that is in their brain and is driving their worldview and their behaviors. And yes, it is your responsibility to educate others, especially if you really know the dynamic that's operating. So I hope that in general, helps you to understand my take on something as complex of an issue as when, when people bring up abortion. Is it in harmony with natural law? It is most definitively not in harmony with natural law. It is not a right. It is a wrong. You are doing something to another being that is harmful, and therefore it's not in harmony with natural law regardless really of why it occurred. The best way to deal with that bad situation is to avert it by teaching people how to behave in the world that is in harmony with natural law so you don't have people who are going out there raping people so and again rape is one of the big the, the big four uh, incursions against natural law the big transgressions against natural law murder rape theft trespass 
So again, people want to bring up all of these exceptions. It's the, the old adage, two wrongs don't make a right. Just because someone happened to do that, there's another being that's involved now. And the right decision would be to figure out a situation in a communal aspect. The community would need to step up and address that wrongdoing by doing right by the mother and the, the child at that point. I don't think aborting the, the fetus is the right solution, personally. And there are many who will be outraged by me saying that and, dis and disagree, and they're fine to go right ahead and do that. I know the difference, the definitive, objective difference between right and wrong, and abortion 100% stands on the side of wrong. Am I still on the line? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> I didn't know if you put me on mute. Um, the only circumstance that I see would affect it uh, in a very strange way uh, would be the circumstance of a mother uh, during birth and having problems with that birth and right. a doctor having to decide whether to save the mother or the child. Right. Now, th this has come up throughout human history. And, of course, you know, th th there's, again, more delicate sensibilities involved there, but that would have to be a medical decision based on probably what would be more likely to happen in the event that you didn't have access to, you know, modern medical facilities to do a cesarean section or something of that nature. So I would probably tend to agree with you on that side. Yes. Yeah, it's one of the exceptions to, it's probably one of the only ones I can think of to right. natural law that one has to make a decision. Right. Fair, um, fair enough. Other, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other question I have, and hopefully it doesn't, doesn't get you too much fired up. Um, <laughs> it's just a question. Um, basically, um, it's a little bit more on the non-supportive dominator side, which sure. is stepping back. Sure. Um, and I'd like to say that, that as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, the real solution to this problem is the children of the future, because without the proper education, we're just going to keep doing the same things we do. I, I agree. So that is really the biggest solution, is teach your children That's right. the difference between right and wrong. That's right. Um, but the other, the other quick question I had was, well, it's not really quick, I guess, um, is at what level do we decide, and unfortunately we have to decide, do we draw a line whether life is insignificant? I mean that because, you know, you've talked about animals and humans and trees, but there's other life forms on this planet that, are much smaller right, and sure. uh, make up a larger amount of actual life on this planet. And we're into, you know, insects, bacteria, right. single cell organs. Sure, sure. Where do they fall on the scale of, of, of natural law and deciding whether their lives right. or their existence are just as important right. as ours? Well, well, look, I wouldn't advocate people being in abject terror of going out and stepping on their lawn because they might step on an ant in the soil someplace. This, you know, we have to apply some degree of common sense and re recognition that, okay, we are affecting physical matter that may involve some smaller forms of life. You know what? I'll, I'll give you an example of this. The other day, I did the dishes that were in my sink after a meal, okay, and I set a pot off to the side, and there was some water, uh, you know, trickling off the edge and pooling in the in the pot. And a fly flew into the water at the bottom of the pot. And I, I actually saw this happen and saw the fly drowning and struggling in the little minor pool of you know, droplet, droplets that had gathered in the, in the bottom of the pot after I had done the dishes. 
for the night. And I tried to, you know, move the water out so that the fly wouldn't drown, you know, and it was pr in pretty bad shape. It looked like it was going to die. And I, I said, well, look, what, you know, do I just get, since I'm going to dry these and put them off the shelf, do I just, you know, smash it when I'm taking a, you know, a, a rag to it or something? No. I set the pot off to the side. It's not going to harm me to sit there for a, a little bit. I let the fly dry out and I came back and he, he had flo flown away. So for the couple of minutes it took me to make a decision, well, do I just end this or, you know, has he suffered too much or is he, is he already drowned really? I let time sort it out and figure, well, if he's going to dry out, then he'll be okay and he'll fly away. And it's, you know, what's the big deal? So that's what I did. And what I'm trying to say is if it's our intent, we have to make a decision and make an intent and say, am I going to interact with what's there now and I know is actively present and there and make a decision to be kind or make a decision to ignore it and just, you know, do whatever. So, again, that's another delicate sensibility that I think we have to exercise common sense when it comes to that. And, you know, you can't live in abject terror of just, you know, affecting the smallest of microorganisms, but I would say exert kindness whenever it is, is it is within your ability to do so.